0: Welcome to Alliance Live. In this edition we hear from Dr Sarah Fox, a research associate at Manchester Metropolitan University. I spoke to Sarah about her research into the support journeys of women with histories of co-occurring substance use and domestic abuse. I started by asking Sarah to tell me why she chose to do this research.
1: I suppose various elements impacted my decision to do this research kind of my working in social care working and um, domestic abuse service homeless services education you know doing a master's in drug and alcohol studies and the stark realization that a, there's a big difference between women's substance use and men's substance use in terms of the support needs so that kind of all influenced the research but overall it was that you know evidence has shown that substance use and women with histories of, of domestic abuse do not receive sub- sufficient support in, in substance use services or domestic abuse agencies. We know that support is siloed. It's often an either or scenario, you know, you either get support for domestic abuse or you get support for substance use. Now I know there is some specialist services out there, but across the board, there's there's not that many. And we know there's a lack of specialist domestic abuse services available to support women with substance use and other adversities. You know, when I saw that working in, in services, as I said, you know, if a woman had, had, you know, drug issues with, with, with drugs in particular, you know, it's very hard to accommodate her, especially in um, a refuge where there's, you know, multiple, multiple women, women living there. So there was that. And I also found a distinct lack of women's voices in literature on the topic, especially in relation to substance use in general. And I, I kind of, I felt it was very important to understand how this siloed support actually impacts the women themselves. We know it's an either or, but I mean, what happens to these women who've got substance use and domestic abuse histories? Do they continue in a cycle of, of substance use and domestic abuse? What do they do to get support? And what are their experiences? And there is just very little, very little. There's essentially nothing out there on this topic so this this research to my knowledge was the first time women's voices has been heard in terms of their service delivery service journey i should say and i think it's important because we're not going to be able to learn about women's experiences and we're not going to be able to create support specific to the needs of women without actually listening to the women themselves and asking women you know what are your experiences and what can we do you know to help your support in your recovery so that's why I think it's an important piece of research. I think it's very much grounded in women's voices and women's lived experiences. And, you know, this was a this was a PhD um, piece of research and, you know, there was only 12 women in the sample and that's because I really wanted to focus on their experiences, on their voices. I didn't want to bring in the voices of practitioners, you know, to overtake kind of women's voices and I really wanted to ground this in women's voices so that we could actually learn from that. and. By god i learned a lot from them that's for sure what
0: were your your main findings
1: i think one of the big things that came from this that maybe i didn't think about or engage with too much before i kind of started the interviews or started the research in general was the extent of abuse that they had experienced or that they potentially could have experienced um and that's just not about domestic abuse, substance use and domestic abuse, but actually like a lifetime of trauma. Among the 12 women, I think nearly all of them, there was experiences of uh, childhood, physical and sexual abuse, you know, witnessing parental substance use and domestic abuse, mental health, homelessness, um, prostitution and sex work. And I use those terms differently because I think the rest are different things. Um, rape, domestic abuse and violence, including coercion to use substances as well by perpetrators, um, you know, and there's also motherhood, losing custody of children, um, and also extensive drug and alcohol use. So I think that was an important finding that maybe I didn't consider too much before going out and doing the interviews with the women. Um, so that, you know, thinking about when you're talking about trauma and substance use, we need to look at the life course so that was a big finding i think another another thing came, that came up was about the mar- the barriers um, to them accessing support and that was a, a you know a, a big part of the project because the project was looking at you know their, ac- their 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 access to support when they have substance use and domestic abuse so barriers was a big thing you know, when talking about, you know, agency is paramount in access and support for these women. Um, but they're also impacted by a lack of support options. And, um, you know, we've kind of researched by through, the, through their, their, their narratives is that service structures are just not set up to respond to the gendered experiences of substance use. And I think... S- you know, kind of these, these failures stem from wider environmental structures such as like governmental policies, as well as wider, you know, kind of societal norms regarding female substance use. And because of this side's approach to support, none of the women um, in, in my study received support for substance use and domestic abuse from one service. And some of them never received support for domestic abuse. They never received any kind of trauma-informed support. It was predominantly substance use, was their priority. So there was no kind of coordination between services they were accessing because mainly they just accessed substance use services. I think the, the research showed that the impact that siloed working has on the women who need the support. Something we really need to consider as well when we're talking about substance use and domestic abuse is that we can't make it an either or. And we can't say, well, you can come and you can have this so, you know, there's the support for trauma, but you need to stop drinking in order to do that. You know, it kind of it's that old argument we have with mental health and substance use services, you know, well, chicken and egg, which do we deal with first? And I think it's needing to reconsider, you know, why substances play a part for their lives. And a lot of the time it is that whole helping them to get to get through their traumatic experiences.
0: I wanted to talk to you as well about in your thesis, you mentioned that all of this is occurring against a backdrop of a reduction in services.
1: We know that domestic abuse services were hit so bad um, because of austerity measures, but that doesn't mean domestic abuse is reduced, you know, that we've seen that with COVID. Gender services, specific services, are definitely losing out in this kind of competitive um, tendering that's now happening and the impact of austerity. When we're thinking about the current climate that we're in, You know we really need to be shouting about the needs of women and the you know the trauma the impact the trauma has on continued substance use and, and that kind of thing and I think yeah it is a worry I've talked to colleagues about it that what's what's commissioning going to look like moving forward to now that they know that a lot of stuff can be delivered online and it's that thing just because we can do it online doesn't mean the quality is the same mm-hmm. and that's that's a
0: worry. so and there's the added complication of if a woman's at home and trying to access support and that support's only online and her perpetrator's in the building or could come into the building at any time, then there's that added complication, which it's just like you say, online is not going to be appropriate for everybody.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, it, you know, peer support, you know, just being in a room, you know, separate from your home environment, being in a room with a group of women who've got similar experiences, you mm-hmm. know we know, you know, just from every, from how we've, you know, just generally lived through COVID, the importance of engaging with human and humans in real life, you know, it's so important for these women when it comes to peer support. And, you know, I bang on about peer support because it came up in, in the research that, you know, most of the women that I spoke to peer support was what really helped them get through. You know, they said professional support was fantastic. One woman said, she valued the peer support more than the professional support and it's important we don't lose sight of that and I think you can't it it doesn't do justice in an online environment and we just really Mm -hmm. need to make sure moving forward that you know as we continue to and who knows what's going to happen you know the year to come or the years to come you know in terms of all that's happening with COVID, not to mention Brexit and, and all of that. And what what is health and social care going to look like? And what service delivery going to look like? And yeah. what does that mean for women especially? I think we really need to think about that.
0: I wanted to ask you about what your recommendations would be. A couple of women in, in the interviews, quite a lot of the women in the interviews,
1: answered a similar question when I asked them. And their overall response was, listen, You know, just listen to what we have to say and it sounds so simple doesn't it but just ask what their experiences are and listen to them make sure there's a space for their voices to be heard you know and I think that's very important you know a lot of I read quite a lot you know give voice to the women and I think no no they have a voice yeah nobody's actually asking them and listening to them so create a space with which we can ask questions you know and listen to them. And I think in asking questions, it's how we word it. You know, there's that whole thing of, of it's not what's wrong with you, it's what has happened to you, you know, and yeah. creating that space for, for, for them to speak as they wish. Um, And in terms of, you know, within practice, you know, not presuming that someone else or some other service are asking the hard questions, mm-hmm. questions around trauma. Um, I think it's important that we ask the women, and we were prepared to respond. Sarah Galvani, she was my PhD supervisor, and she's um, she's my manager now, and she wrote a piece. I want to say for alcohol concern about 10 years ago, and it still gets referenced to this day. And I referenced it in my thesis because it's so Mm. important. You know, it's about what services and substance, substance use and domestic abuse services can do to work more collaboratively. I I know it's going to be a case of we don't have enough money. You know, there's cuts left, right and centre. And I completely, you know, the first thing is we need more money, 100%. Mm. But, you know, there's other things that we, that can be done. Um, to work more collaboratively collaboratively between substance use services and domestic abuse services. And it's about talking to each other, you know, mm-hmm. having conversations with this across the services yeah. and learning from each other, you know, inviting, you know, substance use services into the DV settings for, for training and vice versa. Yeah. Um, setting up referral pathways, emergency referral pathways um, and, and as I said, not punishing women because they use drugs or alcohol. Um it's it's about moving away from this siloed way of working across services. I think that's fundamentally it. It's it's asking and listening to the women, you know, whether you're in a substance use service or a domestic abuse service, and giving them the space, you know, giving them the space to be heard and learning, learning from them and and working with them in terms of what they need.
0: Thanks to Dr. Sarah Fox, Research Associate at Manchester Metropolitan University, for speaking to us on this edition of Alliance Live.